Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is John Steele with After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. As always, it's great to be back together for another episode. Well, we're already halfway through March, and you know what that means. We're halfway through National Ladder Safety Month. Hard to believe it's really flying by this year. I hope you're celebrating well with all your favorite ladder enthusiasts and practicing appropriate ladder safety for all of your laddering needs as laid out by the American Ladder Institute. Yes, this is a real thing. These are the things you learn when you're married to someone in the construction world, and I wanted to bring you along this journey with me. You know what else it means being halfway through March? It means we're two full weeks into Lent. If you haven't checked it out yet, we have a couple Lent resources for you. One is an episode of this podcast where I dig into the history of Lent and how it's a beneficial rhythm to engage in with InterVarsity's Director of Alumni Relations and my boss, Jason Gabry. We also have a daily Lent reflection on Substack that you can subscribe to. I highly recommend checking both of those out as you lean into the Lenten season. All right, let's jump into our conversation for the week. As you may remember, last week we got to spend some time getting to know InterVarsity alumna, retired staff, and author Alice Freiling. If you didn't catch that conversation, stop now and go back and listen to that first. So many worthwhile moments to catch as we dug into her ministry experience, her marriage experience, and even as we got to chat about some of her experiences with depression. This week, we get to spend some time hearing from Alice about her latest book, Aging Faithfully, what inspired her to write it, what it looks like to choose life and find blessing in the midst of loss, and how to explore new ways of engaging with Jesus as we age. Whether or not aging is on your mind, there is something for you here, so let's get to it. Here's the rest of my conversation with Alice Freiling. Enjoy. Alice, I have a hundred other questions that I want to ask, but I'm going to restrain myself because I'd like to spend some time talking about your new book, Aging Faithfully. Give us a preface and then we'll start digging into it a little bit more. Oh, I'd love to talk about my book. (laughs) That's a very exciting part of this season of life. Let me just say one of the interesting things with this book that, again, I didn't realize when I was starting out, I was writing it as I was going through, as I am going through getting older every day. And the other one's a handbook for engaged couples and parents, and even my book on seeking God together on group spiritual direction, the Enneagram. Those were all ones where I was writing down what I already knew. And this one, I was writing what I was in the process of learning myself. And that was extremely life-giving for me. So then as you're experiencing these things, is it just walking through the process of aging that prompted you to write this book? Well, in my late 50s, I started, late 50s is a little bit of a milestone. And I thought, okay, I'm almost 60 and that's pretty old. So I better start preparing (laughs) for it. I mean, when we had children, I got a lot of parenting books and that's just my go-to place. I wanted a book that would talk about how aging affects me spiritually 
that's really where I was going. And I went to the library and on Amazon and I read a lot of good books, but most of them were on retirement and financial planning. I read wonderful memoirs, but I couldn't find a book that seemed to speak to the spiritual journey in a way that other people could also engage in those ideas. So when I turned 75, I was sitting one morning thinking about this, and this was 15 years after I started looking for the book. And it all of a sudden occurred to me, almost like this was an insight from God. Everything you need to know grows out of your 60-year journey. You already know everything you need to know. So just write the book. (laughs) I mean, I didn't even get out of the chair. I just pulled a piece of paper over and I said, okay, theoretically, if I were going to write this book, and I kind of outlined it. And the next thing I knew, I was writing it. And the book almost became a spirit. Well, it did become a spiritual director for me, because I would write something and spiritual direction is very gentle. And I could almost hear a spiritual director saying, hmm, Alice, that's a good point, but you don't really believe that. So why don't you say it another way? And I thought, wow, that's a good point. I will do that. (laughs) And that happened almost every page of the book for me. Okay, I may be jumping ahead, but one of the things in the book that's been very important to me in my life is realizing that I am reading scripture in deeper, more life-giving ways than I ever could have or did before. I mean, when I was a student, we did all these inductive Bible studies, and then InterVarsity got into manuscript Bible studies. That's always been a very important part of InterVarsity's ministry, and it's one of the things I'm most thankful for. But I started noticing that I wasn't reading long passages of Scripture, not even a whole chapter. That would be too long. And it used to be that I'd read a whole book or through the Bible in a year, and I get out my commentaries, and all of those experiences deeply informed me and enriched my life. But now I'm better with one or two verses at a time. I used to say one or two verses a day. Now I have to say one or two verses a week. And I can tell when I'm reading scripture or when I'm reading something that includes scripture, usually one verse. It's just as though the Spirit is saying, this is for you today. This is your verse. And it is, it's a feeling inside of me. And to trust that feeling was a little scary at first, but I have to say it works. I mean, those verses have been planted in my life now. Some of the verses were actually planted when I was in high school because I remember them in King James English. So it had to have been. But one of my current ones that I'm loving right now is Jesus saying the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters the seed and then he goes to bed and forgets about it and the seed sprouts, and he doesn't know where it came from. That's my recollection of how it's set in the message. And over the years, it meant something to me. I can remember thinking about it and how it informed my life as a younger person. But it's an amazing thing. Like The most important thing about your life, the kingdom of God, is like a man who just scatters seeds. He doesn't even plant them a quarter of an inch apart. And then he goes to bed, and sleep is an issue for older people. So I think going to bed is a good place to go. And he forgets about it. As you can tell, I forget about things sometimes. And then the seed sprouts and he doesn't know where it came from. And that's so true for us all along. I mean, we may think that we nourish seeds and and we do. We take care of seeds we've planted. But ultimately, when there's life, we think, wow, where did that come from? And that's the kingdom of God. So I got a lot of mileage the week I was reading that passage. (laughs) Two verses, I think. You have scripture that's scattered throughout 
aging faithfully. So it's interesting to see how you take that and apply these to this aging process and the way that you're being transformed as you age and inviting other people into that transformation as well. How is it that your perspective maybe on that verse in particular has changed from when it was planted as you were in high school or in college, if you studied with InterVarsity to where you are now? I mean, what are some of the things that are different for you as you interpret and apply that text now? Well, I was definitely taught, and I think this is true in my Bible studies in college, that we're supposed to scatter the seed. I mean, a lot of the training that I received in InterVarsity was about how to best scatter the seed, how to be evangelistic. And I do remember feeling as a college student and then on staff that I was required to do a lot more than I was doing. I'm a gardener, so I needed to scatter the seed and then go out every day and check and make sure it had enough water and occasionally dig it up to make sure that it was sprouting. You know, I don't do that. Those gardeners should not do that. And so I thought, well, that's good. Maybe I need to hold this a little more loosely. I can almost picture Jesus saying to me, you know, there's a whole lot more here, but I'll tell you later. (laughs) More recently, as I was doing my one or two verses a day and This guy scattered the seed and then he went to bed and forgot about it. Wow, that's a whole new category of letting go of control. And that's a big piece of getting older. It's letting go of our illusion of control, letting go of our need to accomplish things. So when I go to bed and I forget about even the things that I'm praying about that day that I care deeply about, I think I'm letting go in a way that lets God hold those things. And then the seed sprouts. And I look at so many things in my life, and even this book, and I think, where did this come from? I mean, I know I wrote it, but where did it come from? And that feels like genuine spiritual phenomenon. I don't know what the word would be. Alice, as you were talking about seeds growing and new life and what's been scattered, I'm reminded of the theme throughout an early part of your book where you talk about choosing life. As we age, what does it look like for us to choose life? I do remember when I was in my 40s or 50s and I was in a women's Bible study and I came across this verse and I was just learning how to do calligraphy at the time, which I no longer can do. But I remember choose life. And so I made a little calligraphy thing that said choose life for everybody in the Bible study. It meant that much to me, but I don't remember what it meant at the time. (laughs) The verse was planted, the verse is alive in my life. And when it came around this season, what God said through Moses was I set before you today, life and death, choose life. And there is something in a bittersweet way, a very appropriate word there for people who are aging. God is setting before us life and literally death at some point down the road. So choose life. And for me, part of that means, well, part of it means don't just give up and become a couch potato, but it also means we can choose life in the face of what we know will eventually be death. And for me, choosing life is looking for the life that God has given me now, which is different from the life that God gave me before. And it means not rejecting my new life because it doesn't look like my old life. Don't have a resume, not getting paid for it. But God gives us life, those of us who are older. And it will look a little bit different for all of us, but we can choose it or hunker down and not do anything. (laughs) Do those feel like things that you've had to search for or are they right there in front of you? And it's just a matter of accepting, okay, this is what it looks like for me to choose life. It's different than what it was, but here it is. 
I guess it's both because I probably wouldn't have written the book if I didn't think it was something of a search. In my early 60s, I was searching for what this would be like. But with a little more hindsight now, I would say it's more something to receive. Let me tell you one thing that has happened in my life in recent years. I mean, we moved from Chicago to Colorado, so we live five minutes from my daughter. And I volunteer to do a lot of dishes because that's helpful for her. I wish my mother had lived near and did a lot of our dishes, but that didn't happen. (laughs) And Jesus said, you will do greater works than I do. And I remember reading that in college and thinking, well, he didn't know me very well. But I started thinking about doing dishes. And I thought, you know, Jesus isn't here to do dishes. And when I do dishes, I am loving my daughter. And I love to love her. When I first started my spiritual journey in high school, what really launched me was Paul's words, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. See, it is in King James. And sometimes when I drive up to my daughter's house, most times I just have this feeling of Jesus in me driving to her house. I'm in fleshing Christ. So that's a pretty different way of looking at life for me. And I think I've received it. If I'd searched for that, I don't think I would have searched in the kitchen sink. And I would say, especially for somebody who has spent time doing ministry as your job, but then to think now such an important part of my ministry is going into my daughter's kitchen and doing her dishes, which sounds to me so much like Jesus wrapping a towel around his waist and washing his disciples' feet. Here's the guy that's healing and multiplying food. And then in that moment, his place of ministry was washing his disciples' feet, which looked so different than what he had been doing up to that point. I would rather do dishes than wash your feet. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. (laughs) The division of responsibility is quite good. Yes. But another place that I think of is listening. I think an older person can be a peaceful presence, especially with our grandchildren. And one of my memories from a few years ago was when my grandson, I think he was maybe 10 years old at the time. And when I got there, he said, Grandma, Grandma, they're bringing my loot box today. And I said, loot box? This is L-O-O-T, loot box. And he had paid money to get a loot box once a month. And he was so excited because it actually did come while I was there. And I just remember sitting on the sofa with him and he's opening this box of stuff, which, I mean, now as a young adult, he would probably say it really was junk, but he loved it. And I loved sitting there watching him take these plastic things out. And he took a T-shirt out when I thought, I don't think your mother's going to want you to wear that. But I felt like this is a little window into what's important to him. And it's an honor to hear what's important right now. And I knew it wouldn't be important five years later, but it was important that day. And so to be able to listen, and that would be another thing that Jesus, I think Jesus probably would have listened. He told the children to come. So I think he would have listened, but he wasn't here to listen in the flesh. And I was, and I loved it. I should ask him sometime if he still has any of his loot. (laughs) Maybe now he's allowed to wear that shirt. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So another theme that stands out to me that I think just walks right alongside what you're talking about right now was a theme of loss. And you talk about loss in a number of ways, whether it's physical abilities, loss of loved ones, loss of purpose or the things that you identified as your purpose up to that point. But then you also talk about great blessing in the midst of losses. And I think you're already starting to talk about some of those things, but can you share a little bit more of this juxtaposition of loss and blessing as we age? I 
can't remember whether this verse is in the book or not. I mean, one of the nice things about these podcasts for me is I get to talk about things that came after the book because this is ongoing for me. But sometimes I just feel like there are too many painful losses. And for me, I'm talking about the internal personal journey losses, which is what I was had in mind when I wrote the book. But there were just too many. I mean, like, God, I'm done here. I don't want to let go of anything else. And somehow I came across in the message, the first beatitude, and Jesus said, you're blessed when you've lost it all. The kingdom of God is there for the finding. And I thought, oh, that's really good news. And that is true. I mean, even as I grieve the losses, I wouldn't trade the season of life for any other. And I wouldn't trade the losses for anything else because in the losses, I have found the kingdom of God, as in what Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like the man scattering the seed, or the kingdom of God is like someone finding a pearl in a field and goes and sells everything they have in order to buy the field. And on my better days, I would sell everything I have in order to have this deepening relationship with God, much more of a sense of God's presence. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me the presence of God in the whispers of the spirit through scripture. I didn't know. I hadn't experienced all of this until I got old, partly because I don't travel. I don't even drive on the interstate. So I am more quiet in my life. And I think it helps me notice some of these truths and experience them in ways that I didn't before. So are you saying that there is blessing or even joy in the midst of losses because it's in loss that we experience the presence of God, the closeness of Jesus and his kingdom in ways that we wouldn't or that maybe we were too distracted when we had and now we don't have and we experience God and his presence just in ways that we didn't recognize before? I'm not sure I would say it's because of the losses, but it's in the midst of the losses. Okay, so one of the things older people face if they move as we did is letting go of a lot of their stuff. When we were looking for where we would live in Colorado. Our daughter went around with us and looked at several homes. And there was one we went in that was just packed floor to ceiling with all of their stuff. And when we walked out, I said to her, I will never, ever do that to you. So I had to get rid of a lot of my stuff. And that's amazingly freeing. One of the bittersweet results of the pandemic, I couldn't buy more stuff. And that's a really good thing. In some ways, the pandemic was kind of a worldwide crash course of what we learn as we get older, that we're not entitled, life is not predictable, death will come to all of us. And I resisted all of that at the beginning of the pandemic. And now I'm thinking, oh, this is nice. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't think this was in the book, but I really benefit from Eugene Peterson's translation of the message. And in Matthew 6, Jesus said something that I need to hear all the time. And every time I hear this, I hear something new. And I think if I could go back and tell my younger self, this is something that would really help you right now. So if I can read this, I won't read it all. Two or three sentences here. Great. Go ahead. It's the end of Matthew 6. And this is what Jesus said. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. 
you'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. And I would say that summarizes what I've experienced so far about aging. And I wish I could have known it sooner, but I guess this is just the right time for me to be learning that. It's interesting to me, Alice, as I, as I hear you share these things with me, somebody who's 35, these truths that you're experiencing, are these things that I can learn and experience now, or do I need to wait until I'm in my 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s to experience and learn and know these things? What, what should my takeaway as a younger listener or a younger reader be? I think the gift of self-awareness is fodder for our whole life journey. And I didn't realize it when I was writing the book, but that was part of why I wanted to write the book, because I think it describes a way of noticing God and of embracing God's truth for us today in a way that's very different from what I would call a more transactional relationship with God, which is we're more inclined to do that as younger people. If I learn this, God will like me better. If I do this, God will approve. If I don't, God will be really disappointed. And in the book, I think without using those words, I hope I've described a relationship with God that sounds very loving and life-giving. So I love that you are drawn to this. I mean, this is scripture. So I hear Jesus saying, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. And that speaks to me at 77, but I think it would have spoken to me at 27 or at 37. We hear the whispers of the spirit deep within our spirit. So when you hear truth, I don't care whether it comes from somebody who's writing a book about aging or someone who's leading you an inductive Bible study. I mean, it's truth and love that shapes us. And I imagine that that's something that you just keep returning to. Okay, here's a truth for me to understand in part or in a particular way right now. And then in my next phase of life, there will be more or something different that might come from that same source that God wants me to know now that I didn't need to know then. I don't need to feel that pressure. To some degree, you've already answered one question that I ask people at the end. So I'm going to alter what is typically my final question here. And I know that seasons of life change and might alter how you might give this advice. But for people who are in their 60s, maybe asking some of those same questions, looking for the handbook that you were looking for, is there a word of advice that you would give to people who are embarking on these older seasons of their life? Well, I did notice as I was writing it that life is different in the 60s and in the 70s and in the 80s. And I'm speaking from my vantage point. I think one of the great privileges of getting older and in our life that's slowing down is to be able to be still and know that I am God and to be able just to sit. The word for Sabbath apparently means to waste time. So it's a holy word just to sit and to waste time with God, just musing and seeing if scripture comes to mind. I think as we are still and know that he is God, it's a letting go of control. It's a letting go of having to make a good impression because nobody's there to be impressed by you. My own experience, if I were going to go with just one practical discipline, it would be for God alone, my soul waits in silence. And just to honor and receive those moments when I can just be quiet and not always thinking about God or even thinking about myself. Sometimes today I was just looking out my patio window at a deer walking around in our backyard and something inside of me said, this deer is reflecting the glory of God. 
Amen. You know, I'm not sure all that that means. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. That's wonderful. Thank you, Alice. There's so much for us to be able to walk away with here. And we've only scratched the surface of your own personal experiences. We've only scratched the surface of your book, but I'm so grateful for you giving the time for us to be able to sit and to talk through these things and to share your stories and your experiences. I was blessed reading your book and I am hopeful that other people, whatever stage of life they find themselves in, will pick up a copy and give it a read because I really do think it's a blessing for those who are asking questions about how to age faithfully. Thank you, John. So Alice, if there are people who would like to continue learning along with you, is there a way that people can be in touch with you and with the work that you're still doing? Well, I do have a website, alicefreiling.com, and that on the website, there are descriptions of the other books that I've written. I didn't think I would be writing this book, and I don't think I'll be writing another book. <laughs> and I don't have a blog, and I'm not on social media. So I think the, the last two books that I wrote, Seeking God Together on Spiritual Direction and Mirror for the Soul on the Enneagram, both of those describe a lot of the same perspective in light of spiritual direction in the Enneagram that I talk about here in terms of aging. My book is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And I actually saw it on Target and Walmart the other day. I thought, boy, I love middle America. (laughs) um, Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Alice. It's been such a blessing to get to talk with you. And I, I very much appreciated your book and our conversation today. Thank you, John. Again, whether or not aging is on your mind, there's something for you here. If you're approaching retirement or retired long ago, how are you handling the changes that come along with this phase of life? Are you struggling to find meaning or purpose when you no longer have the measurements of success and progress that were so readily available when you were working full-time? Are you experiencing significant losses, be it to your physical abilities or of friends or loved ones, maybe more than you were in previous phases of life? Or maybe you're a recent grad and you're trying to figure out what your purpose is without classes, internships, and your chapter friends close by. Maybe you're having trouble finding meaning in your new church or community or in a job that didn't turn out to be what you thought it was and you're just longing for the good old days. Yes, this book was written specifically for people asking questions about the older stages of life, but there are messages of hope and meaning and an enduring walk with Jesus that are accessible for you no matter what your age or what phase of life you find yourself in during this long journey of life after college. I can't recommend enough grabbing a copy of Aging Faithfully on Amazon and spending time with these questions, whether or not they're at the forefront of your mind right now. Alice also has a number of previous titles that you can purchase from IVP, like her work with the Enneagram and Mirror for the Soul, or the Handbook for Engaged Couples. So many great options for you to consider from Alice, and don't forget to use your lifelong alumni discount when you do. Alice, thanks so much for your time. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. All right, friends, that's all for this week. As always, I've loved hanging out with you and can't wait to do it again next week. We're going to chat with University of Minnesota Duluth alumna Esther about her experiences as a physician assistant working through the pandemic. It's going to be great, so make sure you don't miss it by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform, allowing notifications, and following us on socials at After4Pod. And if you have any friends in the medical world, be a pal and tell them to tune in as well. I think they're going to appreciate this conversation with Esther. Until then, see you next time, alumni.